On the slide, in fact, on the next slide, in fact, it's the next one, <laughs> you just get a sense of the scale of the desert. I don't know if you can really make it out. But just there, which I can't even point to. Oh, okay. Those are people. And just look at the scale and the size of the Judean desert. You could understand how silly ministers get lost for one and a half hours in the desert. So our journey commenced from Jericho to Jerusalem. It's a distance of about 20 miles through the Yehuda Desert. Now, Jericho is 258 meters below sea level, or if you're older, 856 feet. And you sense that you're rising uphill and uphill to get to Jerusalem, some 754 meters or 2,564 feet above sea level. Here in Amesbury, we're about 280 feet. Thinking back to Jesus' time in the heat of the day, it would have been a difficult journey. It is known as the way of blood, as it was notorious with robbers, and also where the parable of the Good Samaritan was told of. At the Samaritan's Inn, no, it's not a pub, are many mosaics surprisingly left open to the elements. We also visited Zippori National Park, where on the hill of Zippori, the remains of a magnificent, magnificent city was discovered, again full of mosaic floors, full of streets, theatres, bathhouses, synagogues and churches, many dating back to the Roman or Byzantine period. There was always building work going on in Jesus' time. And it's reported that Joseph and Jesus may have worked here. We always assumed that Jesus would have just been a carpenter. But no, in fact, he was a stonemason too. And just being there made you wonder if this is where Jesus worked during those unknown years of 12 to 30, working alongside Joseph to support his family. Jerusalem is one of the few cities continuously inhabited for 4,000 years. First a Canaanite walled city. It was conquered by David about 1,000 BC, as well as an administrative center for the children of Israel. It was captured and destroyed by the Babylonians in 587 BC, with the Jews returning under Ezra and Nehemiah. In AD 70, the Romans destroyed the temple, leaving only the western wall standing, hence making it so precious to the Jews. I'm out of line with my slides. What's the next one? Thank you. So the Wailing Wall, something we're all familiar with. If you look to the bottom right of the screen, where you can see it fenced off, excavations still continue. In fact, they're discovering many, many things. Earlier this year, when I went to Falder Brennan in May, I spoke to a man who was leaving the following day to go to work on those ex excavations. Jerusalem was rebuilt by Bar Kokhba and again destroyed in AD 135 by Emperor Hadron, who, when he plowed around its walls. And today, Jews put written prayers into the walls, into the cracks. 
of which daily they are removed. When we arrived at Jerusalem, we stopped at the Mount of Olives for a view over the old city. From here, we walked the Palm Sunday Road, stopping at Dominus Flevit, Church of All Nations and the Garden of Gethsemane. The road was somewhat downhill, where at times the roads zigzagged, and you sensed it was to slow you down. However, the roads were kept the same as the pathways that the donkeys trod. And as donkeys do not like to go fast, they zigzag to slow themselves down. As you walk down, you first notice some osseries in a small open room. In Israel, when someone dies, their body is left for a year to decay. And when all flesh is gone, the bones are placed in these osseries, which needs to be only as long as the longest bone in the body. Any guesses which is the longest bone? Femur? Yeah, the leg bone. A massive cemetery is on your left as you go down the hill. And what appears small tombs rise above the ground. Some have many stones on them. And you notice others have less or not at all. The stone signifies the amount of times someone is visited or a tomb is visited. The olive trees shown next are said to be some of the oldest in the world. It is said that it is nearly impossible to kill an olive tree, for when one shoot dies, another rises to the side, as these pictures show. Scripture tells us it was in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus was betrayed by Judas. He was taken away by the guards. But to where? It's reported to be near the church of St. Peter in Galicantu. In fact, to Caiaphas' house. Outside is where Peter denied he knew Jesus. And the statue reminds us, truly here you truly sense was Jesus, where Jesus was taken, walking upstairs to the palace. On a wall outside is this image of Jesus being lowered. And it is something I'd never considered before. As much of first century Jerusalem is now underground and still yet to be discovered, you descend steps where you suddenly find this hole in the ground. Then more steps until you reach a room at the bottom. This was a holding place before trial where it is suggested that Jesus was lowered into this cell. I found this a very moving experience, but it was also very disturbing to think that Jesus was left alone here. One of our group read this following psalm. Imagine that you are in this holding cell on your own. O Lord, the God who saves me, day and night I cry out before you. May my prayer come before you, turn my ear, turn your ear to my cry. 
for my soul is full of trouble, and my life draws near the grave. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like a man without strength. I am set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave. Whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. You have put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavily upon me. You have overwhelmed me with all your waves. You've taken from me my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. I'm confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. I call to you, O Lord, every day. I spread out my hands to you. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do those who are dead rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness and destruction? Are your wonders known in the place of darkness or your righteous deeds in the land of the Bolivian? But I cry to, for you, cry to you for help, O Lord. In the morning my prayer comes before you. Why, O Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? From my youth I have been afflicted and close to death. I have suffered your terrors and am in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You have taken my companions, companions and loved ones from me. The darkness is my closest friend. Many of us will know the story that Jesus was taken from Caiaphas' house to Pilate, then to Herod, then back to Pilate where Jesus was beaten and crucified. There are two sites for Golgotha, the place of the skull. This one as the rock depicts a face, which is somewhat difficult to make out, but you might see the two eyes. And this is not meant to be a funny moment, but it will be a funny moment. Earlier this year in March, there was bad weather and the nose fell off. So you can see the eyes and the mouth to a degree, but the nose is gone. Ironically, below is what is now a bus station and coach station, and you stand and watch from the garden tomb while listening to the coaches parking, reversing, and smelling the diesel fumes rising. In the garden tomb, or as we approach the garden tomb, I couldn't help but smile. Just beneath the sign on the wall was a no-entry sign, a typical road sign, so no room at the inn, no entry to the tomb, at least by car. The next slide is the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. 
and which inside is this mural. Jesus' body laying on a table. You see people paying homage to the stone where Jesus' body lay. The tomb you see here is in the garden. It's the garden tomb. It's a beautifully grown area with walkways, many fruits growing, plants and paths laid to walk and contemplate. And like many other pilgrims, we shared communion in a small little chapel. The picture was shown to us by a man who was virtually blind. He came from Oxford, who volunteers there. He gives you a guide as the tomb. This is inside the actual tomb. Quite small. What a moving and powerful time. We return back to the temple wall, where, as I said, excavations continue. And this was found in 2016. Many water jars, probably would be about three foot tall. Now, there were many ritual cleansing pools around the temple. Jews had to be clean before entering the temple and temple mount. The question was posed to us by our team leader. In Acts chapter 2, where we are told that 3,000 people were baptized, where do you think they were baptized? There are no rivers nearby to Jerusalem, to the temple mount. Now, if Peter and the disciples were in an upper room in Jerusalem, where would they baptize? It is suggested that they could have been baptized within these cleansing pools. You can understand how it would be possible to baptize 300 people. Entry to both the temple and the temple mount is by a checkpoint. No religious items such as Bibles or crosses around necks are allowed. If you have them in your possession, you have to leave them and collect them on your return, hoping that they will still be there, left on a trust basis. Now, I didn't get many photographs from the temple mounts. It's simply because when we first started to wander around, there was a man to our side who just kept shouting, get out, get out. And we were all bewildered, wondering what was going on. And he pointed to a man who was probably in his 70s. Get out. And the man was saying, what have I done? Why have I got to go? Get out was the answer. There was no explanation. And the only conclusion we came to was that he was walking hand in hand with his wife. And you're not allowed to show any means of affection that was the only reason we could come to quite solemn the next picture is a typical picture of the wailing wall full of Hasidic Jews in black these men don't work 
and are supported by the government and their wife's income. They spend up to 18 hours a day studying the scriptures and praying. It is known that they generally have twice the amount of average children in Israel. Now they're meant to promote love, joy, and peace. But my experience of them was not that at all. They were rude and had no time for anyone else. There was a sense of arrogance about them or self-acclaimed righteousness. I heard of an example of if a Hasidic Jew boarded a plane and found that a woman had been assigned to sit next to him, he would demand that that woman should leave. That was told to me by a former Hasidic Jew's wife. Now, if you've ever wondered in Matthew's Gospel why he talks about the genealogy of Jesus, it's because he's writing to Jews. He opens with a a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. The Jews always refer to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. One of the Messianic Jews I met, and we've met him here, his name is Tom, shared with me the story of how he became a Christian. He was a Hasidic Jew in the black And then he was assigned to the Israeli army when he was 18 to 21. You have to do compulsory service. And he was out. And there was war. And a tank appeared. And the tank caught fire. And now when a tank catches fire, you've got to get out quick before all the ammunition explodes. So the top opened and out stood a person. And the person was faced by gunfire. A machine gun that, when fired, literally cut the body in two. The top half fell out and the bottom half fell back in. And Tom suddenly thought, that could have been me. That could have been me that died there and then. He started to question life, immortality. He went to his rabbi and questioned his rabbi, and his rabbi didn't really have too many answers for him one day he was walking the streets and some Christians gave him a Bible and he thought I'm not allowed to look at this I'm only allowed to read the first five books the Torah so he went to his rabbi and said rabbi I've been given this what do I do with it and rabbi said throw it away he said but I can't it's the word of God it has our Torah in it and the man said just put it on a shelf or give it away to someone he said I can't do that He did leave it on the shelf for quite a while. And then as the Holy Spirit works, it started to work within his heart. I wonder what it says in the New Testament. I wonder what it is there. Now, this is a man, a very intelligent man. So one day, it got to him so much that he decided to take the book off the shelf. And he thought in his own human wisdom that if he lie in bed underneath the bedclothes, reading the New Testament, and God wouldn't see him. Of course, he laughs at it now. So we started to read the book of Matthew, whereas I just read, it talks about the genealogy. And he suddenly thought, you've managed to pinch my prophets. What are you doing with my prophets? And it started to make him question more. And again, he went to his rabbi, and the rav 
as he called him, just told him to ignore it, have nothing to do with it. He then bumped into some Christians who invited him to church, and of course he declined. And they said, come to our house, have some food, have something to drink. So we came and shared, and then they disappeared off to church in the evening, and they invited him again, and he said, no, I'm not coming to your church. They gave him a key to the house. Come, make yourself at home. And he did. And over a period of time, he started to question the love that he had received. In time, he came through, and he's one of the most loving examples of men that I know. I had joy of spending some time with him when I was out in Israel. Here comes the dark side. I've said it before, my time in Bethlehem was not a good period for me. It's only about four miles from Jerusalem. It's in the West Bank. It does not have the freedom of Jerusalem. Number plates on cars are white rather than yellow. And where Palestinians were only allowed to drive on certain roads, the checkpoints there stopping them entering certain areas. Massive concrete walls separate the two regions. That literally is a Banksy hotel. I know it's called the Waldorf. I don't know if it was that clear from where you're sat. But you go inside it and you've got all Banksy memorabilia and it literally overlooks that checkpoint tower. Many of the walls, on the t- on many of the, uh, walls have murals on them and you might have a silhouette of a child on a swing holding onto barbed wire. That tells you how they feel over there. Terrorists from the PLO, Palestine Liberation Organization, operate here with the aim to liberate Palestine through armed force, mainly against the Israelis. Now, while I felt no danger walking the streets, Bethlehem is now a dirty place. Rubbish is left everywhere and cars dumped on streets. This is just an area of new build, many of it under park construction. So taken from where that photograph was, just looking down, it's just a, a pile of rubbish. I'd hoped to be taken to kibbutzes and uh, refugee camps, but sadly, nothing materialized. And I guess I found myself with little to do, so I spent a lot of my time watching YouTube. Maybe Christian, maybe not sometimes. I was dropped off at the guest house and it was, seemed like an eternity before somebody came to greet me. And it was for the first time I felt venerable and alone. I guess I got caught up in their feelings of hopelessness. I, this just blew my mind. It literally is 20 foot up a tree. Okay, it's got no wheels, but it, it's obviously grown up as a tree has grown. But it just gives you a, an idea. We just left the Church of the Nativity, along with hundreds of others wanting to see the birthplace of Jesus. Again, going down many stairs to the actual site. You can't really make it out, but to the right of that person is a very, very small door. Now, while we can question many of the actual sites of biblical places, whether the location was right, whether it was here or whether it was just there, but the birthplace of Christ is the, one of the only places that categorically you know it actually was 
there. The simple reason was because of a Roman emperor called Hadrian who wanted to obliterate Christianity. So above the site where Jesus was born, above the grotto, he converted it into a place of worship for Adonis, the Greek god of beauty and desire. Jerome noted in AD 420 that the grotto had been consecrated to the worship of Adonis and that a sacred grove was planted there in order to wipe out the memory of Jesus from the world. His act of defiance has gone against him. It's done absolutely the opposite. Where man has tried to take away God or Jesus, he's actually kept that place there, which I found quite amazing. Going to the church, you have to go through that small door, as I talked about. And while you might assume this is an act of reverence or humility, it was done so during the Crusades to prevent horses and horsemen and other animals from entering the church. Jerome, who I mentioned about, sat in a room for 20 years translating the Bible into Latin. We know it as the Vulgate Bible. But also while I was in Bethlehem in the area, those of you here last week would have heard me say I went to Lazarus' tomb and I walked to the shepherd's fields. There are two, one to the east and one to the west. I only found the one in the west and I think the shepherds and sheep must have had a day off because they weren't there. But the walk took me 90 minutes that made me realize the distance the shepherds would have traveled that day, that night. It's up and down, it's hilly, and it was hot and sweaty. Throughout my trip, I visited many Baptist churches and preached at Haifa Baptist Church. I've spent time with a former Lebanese sniper, a former mafia leader, both now fully committed Christians and leading churches. My last two weeks were spent up north near the Lebanon border in that area with our friend Ruth Nazim, who many of us know here. There, hearing a different perspective from Messianic Jews and becoming a tourist, as these last few photographs will show you. I just caught sight of this vehicle coming out. It's um, it's in Jerusalem, and I thought, what on earth is that? And I suddenly realized there were palm leaves. Have you realized how long palm leaves were? We have the palm crosses of about 12 inches, but that is an amazing sight. Can you imagine them being waved to Jesus? We turn a little bit comical here. This was a picture of of a cafe. What amazed me is that they preferred to be paid in dollars rather than shekels. Everywhere they asked for dollars. On the north coast, just below Nebanon, it was a, a very windy day. And uh, I just love this. I 
I, I don't know about you, but I just love going to the coast when it's really rough and windy and, and wet and waves are pounding. You just see the power of nature. So we travelled up to this place uh, called Roche Hanrika. And that would be about 20 foot, if not more than that, above the sea level. But, you know, it really was quite rough. And there were caves. And the caves nearby was where the British army, as well as many others over the years, entered into Israel. Caves were then blown up to prevent people from entering and causing trouble. But it's a major tourist place. So again, 25, 30 feet above sea level. And the next picture was me getting soaked, absolutely soaked. And I think, I don't know if, that's an, if there's one after that, if there isn't, that was the last photograph that camera took because it then decided it didn't like salt water. We often sing about Zion's Gate. Thought I'd take a photograph of it so that we know where place that we're actually singing out of Zion's gate salvation comes again in Jerusalem this I found very profound can you guess what it is Adam and Eve this next one we went on a walk and you know, we just went for a walk and there was, you can see the valley below and, you know, the rocks that I'm climbing on. And then the guy that took the photograph, David, Ruth Nazim's son, beckoned me to come to where he was standing. I had no idea where I was standing and I don't think I would have stood there had I realized, as the next picture will show. You know, there's a massive drop just beneath us. I have one more photograph to show you. Any guesses what this is? I know it's not that clear. It's a bomb shelter door. Every house ha and every hotel has a bomb shelter because there are rockets from Lebanon aimed at Naharia and other areas all around Israel. And David, who I was with on that rock, face his house was actually bombed and he was inside it and uh, I've seen the damage that it did in uh, I think it was about 2013 it was quite surreal to find that every house has a bomb shelter just in case of another attack but despite the negativity I've said of Bethlehem and how I felt I had a great time it was lovely to go and visit where Jesus walks where he taught it's a must for us to go to. Maybe we can get a church group one day. Go for a week. There are times you need to have strong shoes. There are times you need to be able to walk a fair distance. Um, but it's just an incredible thing. But I just want to say thank you to you for your prayers for me and for my family while I was away. But I have to say it's lovely to be back amongst you. Thank you. <laughs>